Good morning. Good to see you here on this brisk spring morning, but I understand this coming week is going to be nice. So I hope that's true. I think we're all ready for spring. Don't remind you, if you have a prayer request, like Chris standing there, if you'll raise your hand and he will give you a card and we'll share it uh, with the congregation or with the prayer team. A reminder about Easter lilies. If you want to buy Easter lily to be put into the church for Easter, the deadline, <clears throat> excuse me, the deadline is actually, what's the, it's, the 31st is tomorrow, right? Yeah, tomorrow, 31st. So that's tomorrow. You can call the office. Confirmate, confirmands, confirmation class will resume in the social hall today at 4.30. It's very important you're here. We only have a couple classes left before you take a break and go to the retreat. That's at 4.30 in the social hall. This coming Wednesday is, will be the first Wednesday in April, and it's the supper at 6 is this Wednesday. And just a reminder of that, if you want to come and be part of that fellowship, I understand we're having tacos. Is that right? Tacos. Next, next Sunday is the first Sunday in April, and because of Palm Saint Easter, we're rescheduling Library Day till next for the first Sunday in April instead of third Sunday in April. So next Sunday is Library Day for children, parents. Mark your calendars. Next Sunday is Library Day. I hope I didn't mess up something. Did I mess something up? Okay. Well, let's stand and sing.
Every breath we breathe, 
shed to the cross in from the cross into eternity your grace finds me yes your darkest night of the soul they're the sweetest songs of victory your grace finds me yes your grace finds me your great grace oh such grace your great grace Oh, such grace. Tell them good morning. And children, come join us on the carpet. Have a good week. Yes. Everybody, good. Okay, how many of you love music? Tell me how many love music. Raise your hand. Did you love the music we just had? Yes. Wasn't that nice? Well, music has always been really important to me, important in my life. Yes. I think I've seen those before. Well, I have always loved to sing, and my family always loved to sing, and I love all kinds of music. But one of the types of music, uh, well, the music that I like the most, is songs that we sing about Jesus and about his love for us. I was reading about this woman, and her name is Fanny Crosby. I was reading about her life, 
and about when she was only six weeks old, that's just a little baby, she had an infection in her eyes. Have you ever had an infection in your eyes before? Well, her doctor was not in town, so another person gave her a treatment for her eyes, and within a few days, she was blind. So she was just an infant, so basically she was blind all of her life. Well, I think if that happened to me, I'd be really bitter. I'd be mad and angry. How, what do you think you would, how would you feel? Would you be angry when you grew up that you couldn't see things? <coughs> well, not Fanny, she wasn't. Um, how many of you are about eight years old or over? Yeah, I thought so. When she was eight years old, she wrote a poem. Now I want you to close your eyes and pretend like you're blind and think about this poem that she wrote when she was blind. Oh, what a happy child I am, although I cannot see. I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Okay, you can open your eyes. Can you imagine if you were blind and you couldn't see but that you could write that and be that happy and contented with your life? It'd be hard, wouldn't it? Well, instead of being angry, she used the talents that God gave her. And over her life, she wrote more than 8,000 hymns that we sing at church, uh, po hymns and poems. And they were to praise and glorify God. And as it turns out, as I was reading about her, I found out that many of the songs that she wrote were songs that I've liked even since I've been young like you. And one especially is called To God Be the Glory, Great Things He Hath Done. And that's a song that she wrote glorifying God. Well, it's similar to the Bible story that we're going to talk about. It's about a man who was blind from the moment he was born. And his story comes from the book of John, chapter 9. One day, Jesus was walking with his disciples. And when they saw this blind man, they asked Jesus, who is to blame for this man's blindness? Was it a sin of, that he did or was it a sin of his parents? And Jesus told them that no one was to blame, that he was blind so that God's work could be shown through him. And then Jesus healed the blind man, and he was blind no more. Well, the people all praised and glorified God. To God be the glory. Well, what about Fanny Crosby? God didn't heal her blindness, did he? But maybe if he had, she might never have written all those songs, and we would have never heard of her, and we would never have all those beautiful songs to sing. So God's work did go through her, didn't it? just in a different way. She used the tragedy of her blindness to praise and glorify God. And I hope that, that no tragedy ever like that comes on you or your family, but always remember that thing, when things happen, they can always be used to glorify and praise God. So let's pray together. The difficulties in our life seem small when compared to what others may be facing. Dear Lord, help us not to grumble and complain but to praise and glorify you in every situation. To God be the glory. Amen.
Let us bow our heads in time of prayer. Oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Praise and blessings to your name, O oh Lord. We come this day humbly before you. We, we know that we were born blind too, but by your grace you brought us to baptism and to the church and opened our eyes that we may see. And we thank you, O oh Lord, for this wonderful grace. And yet, O oh God, we must confess this day before we come and before you that we often cling to ideas and prefer to remain uh, sightless uh, in certain ways when we face the reality of uh, our failures and when we face the reality of your presence and we fail to receive you in faith and we try to find our own understandings. When we do this, oh Lord, we, are, we really are denying you and your work in our life. And so we pray this day, oh Lord, that you would have mercy upon us again this day and forgive us and pour out your Holy Spirit to us. Give us light and strength to, to know what is good and right and true and that we may do those things. And we're also reminded this day, oh Lord, that you um, had Jesus seek those who were outcast and, and to guide them to the light. And we pray, oh Lord, you give us sight also that we might see those that uh, need to be brought into your love and your care. We also know this day that, you, that, that Jesus healed uh, all those that needed healing that came before him and requested it. And we pray this day, O oh Lord, that you would receive into your care uh, many people who are on our prayer list. We continue to pray for uh, Harriet, uh, who is continuing recovery from her surgery on Friday. Uh, we pray for uh, Mike, who is in, the, in ICU uh, with congestive heart failure. Uh, we pray for Ann, who is dealing with cancer uh, and the treatments of the cancer. Uh, we pray for safe journeys for those who are journeying this day. We pray for all those uh, now that are in our hearts. Lord, we pray that you'd receive into your care all these things we've named and all the people we've named. Heal them, restore them as you see fit. Help us to accept your good and perfect will in this and all things. For we pray in Christ's name and pray as he taught us to pray, saying these things. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Today's lesson is a, is, is a really long lesson again like the other days. And I'm only going to read a few verses and commend the rest of the reading uh, for your own uh, time and pleasure. And beginning in John chapter 9, it says... As Jesus went along, he saw this man who was blind from birth. The disciples were with him and asked him, Who sinned, this man or his parents, 
that he was born blind. And Jesus replied to them, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. And as long as it is his day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And I haven't said this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with his saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Salome, which means sent. And so the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begged and asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some said, no, it can't be him. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they demanded. And he replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. And he told me to go and wash. And so I went and washed and then I could see. Now the rest of it, there's a big conversation between the Pharisees over this and the family evens brought in and questioned. And it's pretty amazing. But at the last, the really crucial verse, I believe, is the one where uh, he, he says that uh, all he knows is he was blind, but now he can see. Praise the Lord. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious Lord, we do thank you for many things, but especially your grace to us and all the many situations that we find ourselves in and, uh, and how blind we can be and how often we are, need just to be, have our eyes open too. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now, one of the things that's going on in this whole passage here, and I really commend you reading the whole rest of the chapter there, is that everyone's trying to determine blame. How many, I think it's a national pastime, in fact, that we seem to try to determine blame. Uh, who, who is to blame? Uh, what is it that, that this person did or not, did not do that, that causes this situation? And uh, it seems to me like this is mostly pointless. Uh, but we, I know I've engaged in it even myself. I've, I know I've found myself saying things like, well, it's unfortunate, but if they only knew uh, what they were doing, then they would know what they got, you know, or, or if they'd only knew how to budget better, they wouldn't be in this mess, or, uh, you know, these people brought this on themselves. How many of you said stuff like that? You probably have, right? You know, assigning blame for people's misfortune is really, though, a useless activity, I believe, and it's one that it does not matter at all, and it's one that Jesus, I believe, correctly reinterprets for us in this scripture. Now, it's it's it the, it's is true that, and uh, we know we have doctors in both of our congregations. It is true that diagnosis is very important. But I guarantee you, every one of the doctors in our congregation would tell you that diagnosis by itself accomplishes nothing. You see. So the man's blind. Who's to blame? What difference does it make? What is important is what are we going to do about it? What can be done about it? What uh, can we do if we see someone who suffers from blindness of any sort, not necessarily physical blindness? And in, later on in this uh, scripture, you'll see that the religious authorities were real helpful 
In fact, they were so helpful that they called him in, berated him for claiming Jesus uh, healed him, and then basically excommunicated him from the church. Uh, so the authorities don't always get it right, I can tell you that, uh, really. But the thing is, in this scripture, if you look at all the different characters, if you, look at the, if you look at the man himself, you look at the disciples, look at his family, look at the people, the neighbors, the Pharisees, you really see people who are either half blind or they cannot see at all because even though they have nothing wrong with their sight. We really just see folks who are interested in blame. And to me, that's what the scripture's warning us believers today is are we more interested in blame are we more interested in knowing the who, what, when, or where of a situation than we are in helping, or healing, or hoping, or bringing all those things to the situation? And that's pretty sad if you think about it. Uh, we, we have a man who was born blind who received sight in his eyes from a compassionate Jesus Christ who was attacked, who was questioned, excommunicated his own family pretty much wanted to disown him you know this is an important lesson as we look at our fourth uh, Lenten Sunday as we're pretty as we have one more Lenten Sunday and then Palm Sunday and Holy Thursday and Easter Sunday the the important lesson I think that I received from reading this scripture again and thinking about it is that not everyone will respond to Christ Jesus that's a sad fact not everyone will respond to the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. But it's our responsibility to bring it to them, to carry it to them, to remind them of it. Their response, of course, is up to their own free will. And not everyone that we meet and bring and talk and explain God's wonderful grace and love, not everyone will accept it or agree with it. Uh, not everyone will accept God's grace in the face of much sinfulness. You know, in the Old Testament times, the people had been taught that sin and suffering were always linked together. That if there was suffering, it was always a result of human sin. But Jesus, in a way, reinterprets that. Now, Jesus affirms that uh, what you want, one reaps, one sows that there is consequences for sinfulness. But I think Jesus makes clear that not all suffering, and this text right here is very clear, that not all suffering is directly traceable to personal sin. There was no personal sin there that caused this man to be blind, not by himself or by his family, and yet he suffered blindness. So it's, suffering is not always directly traceable to personal sin. So Jesus reinterprets this for us and helps us to see, I believe this, that where sin has led uh, to suffering, where it does lead, when it does lead to suffering, Jesus makes clear that our response should be the same as his response. Our response should always be the same. is compassion. It should be compassion, forgiveness, and love. Uh, sin is simply a sign of the need for God. And it's a sign for the need of God's healing power to be manifested. As Jesus said, this is so that the work of God might be made manifest in him, in the situation, in other words. That the work of God would be evident in the situation. 
And then he said something else which I think is important for us to think about. He said, as long as it's day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night's coming when no one can work. In other words, there's a limited time we have uh, to bring that grace, that forgiveness, that compassion, love to those who are outcasts, those who are suffering, uh, those who are blind to their sin. It's important that we remember that Jesus' work is our work. Uh, our a disciples' work is the same work as Jesus's. It's the work of God. And, and in the end, in the final analysis, it is a work of liberation. That is exactly what the work of God is, and that's what our work is. It's a work of liberation, of bringing people from sin, giving them healing and compassion and forgiveness. It, it is a work that is love-filled that requires us to give an awful lot. We have to give a lot of patience to one uh, who is uh, suffering in sinfulness and needs to be liberated. Uh, but we, I believe today more than ever we're surrounded by a lot of people who are living in uh, blindness that binds them, uh, that binds them to uh, sinful activity and uh, sinful, sinfulness and prevents them from living in this freedom, this grace that God wants them to live in. But I do believe it can be overcome. I, I think that all blindness can be overcome, uh, whether it's uh, blindness of, of sin or, or, or otherwise, that it can be overcome. And what we need to do is not be part of the blame game, not to look and see and, and try to cast stones and try to figure out the whys and the excuses and all that. Our, our, we need to claim the victory that's ours in Jesus Christ. Uh, and, that, and that victory is blessed assurance. That victory is that we have grace. And that victory is that grace can be extended to everyone, not just a select few. Janie uh, mentioned about Fanny Crosby, and, and that's exactly right. She was uh, blind from childhood as a result of that. And, uh, but she was able to overcome the situation she found herself in. And she did live a long life writing many songs, and the one she met, Janie mentioned was, is one of my favorites, actually. But why did that happen to Fanny Crosby? Who cares? It's not important. Who is at fault? These questions make no difference in the scheme of things. You see, and not in the end did any of those questions that the disciples have make any difference at all. You've got to trust that the work of God will be made, made manifest in every situation. It's that simple. That the works of God will be manifested in every situation. Now, I do think it's important for us to note that there is some work to be done there. It's not just you snap your fingers and it's done. Even Jesus had to do something, didn't he? He knelt down, got some of his spit and some mud, and made this saw, salve, if you will, for his eyes. His healing salve, his healing balm that worked. Which tells me that even when we're at the work of, of God and we're participating in the work of God to, to bring healing to people, there's work that has to be done. It's not easy. Sometimes you have to get your hands dirty. Uh, in this case, he put them in the dirt. But it's important for us to know that uh, we have this same uh, opportunity and power, if you will, 
uh, to be uh, alongside the Lord in his work and to make manifest uh, the miracle of God in people's lives. And, you know, lots of times people say, well, we don't see the miracles like we, we saw in the old days. You see a miracle every time that someone uh, removes themselves out of the sinful lifestyle and comes into, the, into, a, into a correct and righteous lifestyle. That is an, a miracle. And there's many miracles that occur each and every day uh, through the hand of God and his manifest in his uh, work in us. Friends, fault and blame can easily be assigned. They really can. But that's not what is needed. What is needed is that a person moves on. And that includes not just that person, but the people around them, their family and their friends. It's so important if you're trying to help someone and your family or your friends move out of a, of a bad lifestyle or a way of sinfulness that you stop assigning blame, that you realize that, uh, that you have work to do that might not be easy and that you should help overcome this con- this tendency for us to blame uh, each other in the situations. Uh, Jesus overcame this. He showed forgiveness to the blameworthy when he was on the cross. And what we need to do is to constantly pray for God and, and to pray for us to, be, uh, to be, receive a blessing and to be a blessing to others. Um, Jesus, I think, clearly calls us to overcome our blindness. By, uh, by, and, and the only thing that holds us back the thing that holds us back is our own attachment to blame. You know, I, I've been sharing the last few weeks a lot of personal stuff. And I'll tell you right now, your own fondness for bitterness, your own fondness for things that happen that you just will not let go, that you want to drag back up, it's what holds you down more than anything else in your life. It held me down for many years. And every so often I can still fall back into that blame game and that want to attach blame to this and that or the other. Uh, This fondness for bitterness is in our human nature deep. But that is what holds us back. That's what holds other other people back. And the belief that nothing really is going to change. But my friends, our God is greater than any situation greater than any person, greater than any blame, greater than any bitterness that you may have ever had. And it's greater than anyone else that you might know that's in a situation. Christ's love can overcome all blindness, all blindness. Even those of us who can't see very clearly, at many times in my life I haven't been able to see clearly, even to us who are prone to wander into sin, uh, that grace is there. And what we really need to do is a practical thing. You know, John Wesley liked to talk about practical uh, divinity, practical Christianity. It's a practical thing, very practical. Quit assigning blame. Let go of your bitterness. Help others to see the light that you have seen. Leave the judgment to God. Show forgiveness. Show compassion. Show love. This is what Jesus was doing for the world and his journey to the cross. Amen. Let us stand and uh, affirm our faith.
We are not alone. We live in God's world. We believe in God who has created and is creating, who has come in Jesus the Word made flesh to reconcile and make new, who works in us and others by the Spirit. We trust in God. We're called to be the church, to celebrate God's presence, to love and serve others, to seek justice and resist evil, to proclaim Jesus crucified and risen, our judge and our hope, and life and death and life beyond death. God is with us. We are not alone. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. Let us receive our offerings and our time. Will you stand and let's all sing together. Well, he is jealous for me. Love's like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath the weight of his wind and mercy. When all of a sudden I am unaware of these afflictions eclipsed by glory And I realize just how beautiful you are And how great your affections are for me Oh, 
how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us, how he loves us so. basically saying that he loves us. He loves us. I can't think of anything better I can say right now to you except that he loves us. Amen. And God will raise you up 
Have a great week.